something that we're all doing during sheltering in place is trying to stay informed. Everything is going crazy right now in the world, but the economy is getting back underway and with it, the world of pro sports. So stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. We've obviously got the sports covered here at The Athletic, and we hope that you subscribe. Also subscribe to Bloomberg.com if you are not already an Athletic subscriber as well. For a limited time, you could receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Just go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. This is Melissa Lockard with Steve Berman from the Steamheads, a show about the Oakland A's. Well, the A's little brief trip to the desert didn't go according to plan as they lost a, a late-inning game where it came down to the ninth inning and it didn't go their way this time in the first one and then were completely blown out of the water in the second game. I guess the only good thing we could say about that second game was that uh, between Lou Trevino and Daniel Megden, they didn't have to dig too deep into the bullpen, which should at least give them a fighting chance in these last two games against Arizona back in Oakland. But not too much good came out of that little trip at all. Not really. It's uh, especially, you know, you're thinking Montas might come in and look the way that he has all season. And that was definitely not the case. He was getting hammered. A lot of 97 mile an hour fastballs that generally are on the corners and are either swing and misses or uh, weak outs to the outfield or an infielder were just getting absolutely crushed. I mean, Cole Calhoun looked like he knew he was coming. And in that first game of the series, it's kind of a rough one right there. Deekman, I think, made a great final pitch. Actually, maybe not perfect. It maybe you wanted a little bit more out of the strike zone, but that was a tough pitch that they lost on. And it was actually if that ground was hit, maybe you know six feet over to towards the left, then could have been out at the plate, and maybe that game would have gone a little bit longer. But it looks like the starting pitching is having a little bit of difficulty these days. Yeah, you know, and so it's starting pitching and then those early inning offensive woes against starters on the other side seem to be the two really glaring weaknesses for this team right now. And, you know, we've sort of talked about the early inning struggles against, you know, opposing starters, and I'm not sure there's really a fix for that. I mean, it's not like you can put in different personnel in the beginning of the game that are designed to hit starters and then bring in guys that are designed to hit relievers. You know, it's sort of your big horses that are the ones that are struggling against starters right now. So I, I guess they'll probably just have to sort of ride that one out. But the starting pitching thing is interesting because, you know, they've got a lot of talent in theory in the rotation, but they've sort of got questions on pretty much every guy now except Bassett, who didn't have his best start in that uh, Monday game, but certainly looked fine. But, you know, Montas now, it was a little bit worrying. Obviously, the stuff still looked fine in terms of velocity and everything. But, you know, one of the reasons that it took him a little while to establish himself in the big leagues was that he had this elite stuff, and yet people still seemed to be able to hit it. And, you know, who knows why it was that the Diamondbacks were so keyed in. But one hopes that it wasn't that he had to make some sort of mechanical change to adjust from that uh, neck injury that's now making the ball more visible or some other thing that, you know, really created the nightmare that was those two innings for him. But, you know, so now there's a tiny bit of a question there. Obviously, Sean Manaya and Mike Fires have been up and down so far this year. And then, you know, Jesus Lazardo is a rookie, even though he's outstanding most of the time. Rookies are rookies and they're going to have their blow ups. So it's uh, what, 10, 11 days to this trade deadline. We've never seen a trade deadline quite like this. Uh, it's hard to know what teams are going to really do. But I, I kind of wonder, you know, second base was something that 
people thought the A's would be interested in. But I, I sort of see starting pitching as maybe what they would go after if they do actually make a trade at the deadline. Yeah, and that's kind of the difficult thing. I think you're right. I think second base at this point, they could mix and match with Camp and Pinder. I think at this point, be fine. I think they're happy with the defense they're getting there, and the offense has been good enough. You know, and Kemp's on base percentage is over 400, and Pinder's shown a little bit of power here and there. But the starting pitching is is a bit of a concern at this point, just because you don't know if Montas is going to be able to either refine it, which I assume he will, but the injury situation could be something that leads to something they have to worry about in the near future here. And Fires, as you said, and Manaya have been pretty shaky so you look at it and you look at the trade deadline it's going to be tough because there aren't going to be that many teams that are sellers you have 16 teams that are going to make the postseason this time instead of 10 and so that obviously is going to make it so that it's not just 16 teams that might be buyers or might just stand pat but you know some of the teams that are in the periphery that just don't really feel the need to uh, just jump out of the race when there's only a month left in the season that they all have been playing a few weeks so is it really worth making a move if one, the season isn't guaranteed to continue and two, you don't make an upgrade over what you already have. So, I mean, there's some guys out there that, you know, they could bring in to eat some innings, but they already have guys for the most part. I think you can do that. I believe unless somebody gets hurt, I think that they're fine in terms of letting fires pitch every fifth day and Mania as well. So you look at it and go, okay, so who's actually an upgrade that's out there? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And it's also sort of interesting. And when you do look at the standings, I mean, there's maybe three teams that you can definitively say are out of it at this point, probably. And so that obviously complicates it a little bit, because I think a GM that goes and does a White Sox style white flag kind of deal, you know, at the deadline is going to draw some criticism in a year that, you know, people are at home watching this on TV the TV broadcasters, I assume, and, and obviously, Steve, you know a lot more about this than I do. But, you know, like, I assume that these TV stations and their contracts are really invested in having teams be followed closely all the way through the end of the year, whereas a normal September drop off for a bad team, maybe they wouldn't care quite as much. And so, you know, unless you're Pittsburgh or Seattle, or, you know, maybe Detroit or something, you're probably still looking to try to at least remain somewhat competitive all the way through the end of the year. What do you think? Do you think that kind of factors into it at all? Absolutely. There's just not that many teams that are going to be super motivated and how motivated would the A's be to part with anything that would make a team motivated to give them something? So there's only a handful of pitchers I could really see the A's going after just through a cursory look at who might be available, impending free agents. I mean, I don't think they want to sign someone who's going to be making a, a ton of money next year. I kind of, as an aside on Friday, said that Johnny Cueto would look really good in an A's uniform, but Johnny Cueto is also slated to make you know $22 million next year and then a team option for, I think, $5 million the year after that. I don't know if there's a team in baseball that really wants to pick up that kind of salary over the next uh, couple of years, and least of all the A's, I would think. And so you look at it, I think Taiwan Walker, actually, from the Mariners is someone, I know it's in the division, but the Mariners look like they're definitely toward the future, and Walker is an impending free agent. He's not just a lights-out ace by any means, but he could end up being a little bit better than Fires, or at least somebody who, if you pick him up, can fit in that log man role and step in as a starter if someone like Montas or anyone else gets hurt. And then the Giants are an interesting case, too, because they have Gausman, who you and I have talked about before. And Drew Smiley is dealing with a finger issue, probably not going to pitch for another couple weeks. 
I mean, he looked really good before he got hurt. So if there's a situation where they could pick him up for almost nothing, then maybe. But Gausman's probably the one that you'd want to go after at this point because you know that he's healthy and he's got great stuff at this point. However, do the Giants really want to give up much for him? Or are they going to wait and see if they could do the qualifying offer thing and maybe even get a draft pick for him or keep him around long term? I'm not sure. Another pitcher I looked at. That could be a, a potential one just because it's a big upside move, even though his stats this year are pretty bad, is Robbie Ray. He's an impending free agent as well. He's had some really excellent years. He was in top 10 the Cy Young voting a few years back. This year, his ERA is 8.59, but he's still striking out 11 guys per game. He's been up uh, over 11 strikeouts per nine innings for a while now. And maybe it's a guy that if, if you know you could flip pretty much a nothing prospect over and see if you catch lightning in a bottle either that or maybe the A's just go for some relievers and think hey you know it's uh maybe we could pick up uh, another lefty or that can face three guys in one inning or you know another power arm righty I don't know it's it's just in terms of lengthening that uh, bullpen in terms of trying to get you know some help in case you have guys like Manaya and Fires who can't really be guaranteed to go much more in four or five innings Another guy I think follows along the model of the guys you were talking about, too, is uh, Trevor Williams with Pittsburgh. He's off to a pretty decent start on what has been obviously one of the worst teams anyone's ever seen so far in, in the Pirates. And he did not have a good season last year, but was very, very good in 2018, was pretty good in 2017. And his ERA is under four and four starts for a very bad Pirates team so far this year. I think he's arbitration eligible uh, through next season. So, you know, it'd be a little bit of something that the A's could build towards. It's something that they could look at here. The A's have a pretty talented group of players in their 60-man uh, player pool. Ked Rosenthal had a really good article about how teams can only trade from those pools. I'd sort of assumed that teams could trade from, you know, anywhere in their organization, but uh, they actually can only trade from their pools. And so, you know, the A's have some players that maybe don't fit into their long-term plans, but are very solid prospects that are down there. One I could really think of is um, Dustin Fowler, you know, the center fielder that I think still has enough talent to intrigue a team that isn't necessarily looking to hit a home run with a trade, but but might be interested. So he, he might be a guy that they would look at. So, you know, I don't know, you know, and it's funny about Drew Smiley that you, you talked about, I mean, the finger issue obviously creates some question as to, you know, what the Giants are going to be able to get, if anything, for him, because obviously he'll need to be healthy first. But he was the move I made in the OOTP league that we did, the simulated season, and there he did go. not kind of create the, the return on investment Uh-oh. I was hoping <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, Gaussman, though, I think he was traded to the Nationals and was I, I may have ended up the Cy Young of the, of the league. But uh, yeah, Smiley was a big disappointment. I was able to get him just for Luis Pereira straight up. I don't even know that the A's would have to give up a prospect that good for him now. But, you know, Smiley would be a guy who could go back and forth between a relief role and a starting role if he was healthy. And, and maybe that's what they would look at as somebody who could sort of be like a Chris Bassett and be flexible that way. One interesting move that they just made that literally popped up as we're talking here is uh, the A's brought up Paul Blackburn and sent down James Caprillion. Blackburn's one of the few guys in that um, alternate site that has some experience starting regularly in the big leagues. Um, And I don't know if he's up because they're not sure 
you know, if they're going to need a spot starter or if he's somebody that is going to take a long relief role because Daniel Megden won't be available for the next three or four days. And Megden's out of options, so they, they couldn't send him down to San Jose anyway. But that's kind of an interesting move there because you're talking about length. And that's obviously something that, you know, would be a targeted thing for them to, to bring up somebody like Blackburn who, you know, can go multiple innings like that. It also kind of makes me wonder how Montas is feeling today after yesterday's start because, that's another one where you just don't know if uh, that was a situation where he kind of came back a little bit early because when you get scratched from the start due to neck or back issues, generally that's not something that you just shrug off after 24 hours. And I guess it seemed minor enough so that Bob Melvin thought that it was a chance that he could possibly pitch on Sunday. And then they said, no, Sunday's not going to work, but Tuesday's fine. And then he just gets absolutely destroyed on Tuesday. Now, the D-backs are one of the hotter teams going right now. They won six in a row, and their offense looks like it's uh, coming together pretty nicely. But you have to wonder if uh, Montas woke up this morning and said, hey, I got spasms that are going on, and I feel worse than before. This might be a 10-day sort of situation. Then all of a sudden, it's all hands on deck in terms of starters. I think that Petit's a guy who I've always thought would be a, you know, you could use as a spot starter as well. But He's really versatile and, and key in that bullpen. I'm not sure they really want to flip-flop him around and have him be a starter. I, mean, I think that really two or three innings is the most they want to do with him right now. And if you look at their schedule, they actually don't have an off day until the 31st. So if uh, Montas can't go, then they really do have to kind of patch something together here. And maybe Blackburn's a guy who is there sort of as Magnet insurance and Montas insurance. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And, uh, you know, if they did end up placing Montas on, on an injured list later, they could bring up Caprillion. He wouldn't have to stay down the 10 days because it's just, a, you know, replacing a player for injury sort of ends that little delay that you have with calling somebody up. So that could be that they're going to buy themselves a couple of extra days to see how he feels. And if he doesn't feel ready to go, you know, then they they um, can make another move. But it is disconcerting. I mean, you know, they have some room to work with because they have gotten off to a good start. But the Astros are red hot. It's sort of interesting. And they looked so bad in leaving Oakland. And yet, ever since then, they've been one of the best teams in baseball. So it's not going to be an easy ride to the division title for the A's. And, and they're going to need more out of their starters than they've gotten so far, for sure. Yeah, the Astros winning six in a row, it's kind of makes you realize that uh, they, the A's can't just sort of chill on their first uh, few weeks and the first couple weeks of August. They All of a sudden, they're only two and a half games up, and you go, wait, wait a minute. They <laughs> Just on Sunday, we were singing their praises and talking about how they're just going to roll and you know what are their weaknesses going to a postseason run. Now, the first two teams in each division are making the postseason, and then after those three divisions uh, give you six teams, and the next best two teams make the postseason. So chances are... The A's are making it. I mean, I, I think last time I saw it, it was like 100% probability of them making the postseason. But still, you'd much rather have that number one spot in the AOS because then you're one of the top seeds and you're going to probably be facing a much weaker team. You don't want to be stuck, uh, say, as the sixth or seventh seed going into the postseason have to face a, a two or a three seed. So, yeah, right now this is a time where even though they had such a great run of nine straight wins and then swept the Giants after that, it's they can't really rest on their laurels at this point. And then they face Houston next weekend. So after this weekend, when they face the Angels, then they go to Texas for four games in Arlington and three games in Houston. So that could be thought of as a situation 
where the A's want to be as deep as they possibly can pitching wise, because, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be interesting. And, and I would guess that by the end of that Texas track, they're going to have a very clear view of exactly what their needs are. And, you know, maybe the, the deals come in on the last minute and they make them at that point really having a, a more clear eyed view of, of where they stand. So we'll definitely have to keep a close eye on that. Um, thanks for listening. And we'll be back again early next week and see how they were able to finish off this series with Arizona and, you know, what comes next with the pitching staff.